Some of people's one time. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Across the Intersection Podcast. We are back at it again. Yep. Trying to be consistent. So this is uh, episode seven. Got the whole squad in here today. Um, Please check us out on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, all of the above. Please go subscribe. If you're on iTunes, leave us a good a good uh, message. Please do something nice for us. Um, please follow us on social media. I'm just going to go ahead and get all the housekeeping out the way. <laughs> <laughs> follow us on social media. On Twitter, at Across This. If you tweet us, hashtag Across This. And definitely hit us up on Facebook, uh, Across the Intersection on Facebook. Uh, I'm in here with the whole squad today. This is AJ. I got Eve. I got Dan. Avery's in the building. And so we're just going to talk y'all to death today. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, y'all want to get y'all Twitter hashtags up? I mean, y'all, y'all Twitter handles today? As I was hashtag saying. White Dan. <laughs> yeah. I keep telling y'all, we're going to get Dan on Twitter. Dan's <laughs> going to get on Twitter before we finish. Yeah, my rants and my raves are on E to the V to the E, all on Twitter. Uh, this is Avery, and I can be accessed at a very good idea. That's a very good idea on Twitter. He can be accessed. So, <laughs> I want to access you, boy. Once again, this is Daniel. Um, not on Twitter, uh, but you can check out my blog www.diaryofaredeemcenter at wordpress.com. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the blog writers. Writing is so important. I can't get rid of writing. I like writing, yeah. so. I'm going to probably write some more stuff. You can, you can check out my ramblings on uh, divinimus.com. Um, anywho, so a whole lot's been going on this week. Um, as you guys know, we, we record. Uh, we're just outside the D.C. Uh, line. We're just outside of Washington, the capital of the United States. And uh, so because of that, we try not to be a political show, but sometimes you just can't help it. Um, and so we got the situation going on up in Minnesota. And as of the last... 24 hours there's actually been some new development so uh, we want to quick, talk about quick correction minneapolis oh what did i say minnesota oh uh, minneapolis uh, okay. more specifically <laughs> minneapolis st yeah. paul yeah minneapolis minnesota excuse me for which is that. interesting because it has yeah. the largest somali american population in the country so y'all didn't know that so you know it's it's interesting for a variety of reasons one reason is like wait a second when somalia you know lost its government you would think that when America took refugees in, they would choose a climate more consistent know, right? they sit with East Africa. Looking at the map. Let me find the coldest state. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you had this um, officer. If, if I were to blindfold you guys listening and said, you have an officer, you had a female who calls 911, and the officer arrives and she gets killed, I bet you would think she looks like Sandra Bland, huh? That's probably what you would assume, but no, we have the reversal. This is this is the state of 2017. We were just talking about this earlier. <clears throat> anything is possible in the in the land where 45 is president. Anything is possible, right? So now we have a role reversal. We have this Caucasian lady. She was engaged. She's from Australia, and she calls 911. And an officer arrives, turns off his body camera. And the next thing you know, she's dead. Ah, but there's a twist. The <laughs> officer's black. Not only is he black, he's African. He's really black. 
<laughs> he's not black like you. He's he's from Africa. And one of the things I find very interesting is that in, in some of the news outlets, they're actually sharing his his faith, his religion. He's a Muslim, which it has nothing to do with the shooting, but it lends itself to a particular narrative yep. that is beginning to be you know, played out, which is this rogue African cop shot this innocent woman. The actions of one man. We 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 know how these things sound. It's the actions of one man. He's a, you know, sound like the dude, the the old referee from the NBA. Remember Tim Donaghy? He's like, this is just one rogue referee. Now every other referee's clean. It's just this one guy who went off on his own and had this whole scheme. So. I say all that because those are literally the words of the Minneapolis St. Paul police chief who resigned yesterday. Those were her words exactly. Um, That this is one rogue cop, you know, the actions of one crazy individual. Um, This has nothing to do with the systematic injustice, you know, perpetuated by police departments nationwide. This is this one crazy African cop. When you say systematic and, you know, it's so ironic because the only the, the according to the narrative set by the cop and his family the only reason he chose to he had a high paying position and he chose to join this police force specifically because he saw what was going on in the world between um police and immigrant communities as well as police and black communities he lost his wife over this issue you know like like this man joined for that reason but then what could have possibly happened to someone who had those types of motives, supposedly, when they get into that sort of environment and that system where they would deliberately turn off a a body cam and shoot through a door at someone asking for help. So I I think there is a fundamental problem with policing in this country that would cause someone like that, who's trying to be a part of the solution, to end up like what we're looking at right now. So what say you? Y'all are stunned. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, it's yeah. not it's not a cut and dry you know case. Well, let's let's add yeah. some more flavor to this pot. So, for those of you who don't know, yesterday the mayor or two days ago the mayor of Minneapolis actually requested for the police chief to resign, and I didn't know this before yesterday. I was reading this on MSN.com just yesterday. The police chief in Minneapolis is the first openly gay female police chief in the city's history. So they, they're throwing her to the wolves. They're like, you know, f- forget that community. We, we are not, you know, there's not going to be any chinks. She's in- the one that retired? No. I mean, resigned? Yeah, resigned. she's the one that resigned, yeah. First openly gay female police chief in the history of the city of Minneapolis. They're not going to have any chinks in the armor. She um, got to go. So... Uh, Daniel, yeah, so I just want to examine just the the different uh, responses, uh, first of all, by the police itself, as you mentioned, the the chief basically thrown the one lone officer under the bus where you see the other shootings, the police are generally standing with those officers involved in the shooting. I know we spoke um, a couple weeks now about uh, what's what was going on with the Baltimore police and them 
you know, join in with the fraternal order of police. You see a you see a united front in those situations, but here <laughs> they're like you know just throwing them throw them out to the wolves. So you know, I found it very interesting. I would say ironic um, in in their response in this situation compared to when the victim is is black. Uh, it's a totally different response uh, you by the police. You also see a totally different response in the media. The the coverage is different. Um, again, what what you said about them just digging out information on this cop, where usually if the if the victim is black, they're going to be digging out information on the victim well. uh, rather than the the cop is what the trend has been. So we see uh, we see very the the situation itself, the actual shooting, what happened. That situation was pretty much, you know, if like AJ mentioned, if you didn't know uh, the the color of the people involved, then you would assume that the the one who got shot was black, and that it might have been a white officer that that shot her. That would be the assumption. So the circumstances surrounding it were very very similar. Um, and don't get me wrong, all these situations, uh, this situation included in the past police-involved shootings, uh, I believe are, are wrong or unjust. Uh, and I don't believe that by mentioning these, the differences and in, in the response that were, you know, not not considering the, the victims here, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel for the victim in this situation just as I feel for the victim in uh, other situations. But just the the media's treatment, um, you know, the silence by certain people like the Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> where you know, where where are those people? Wong, what? Wong. Where are those people defending that officer? <laughs> I don't I don't see it. Um, so yeah, that's mainly what I want to look at. That there, there's a, there's a dichotomy in how they're responding to this situation to pass involved police shootings, and the only thing that I can assume is that it's because the victim is is a white lady. And um, can you go into a little bit of uh, the circumstances that surround the incident? Is there any information on that? Uh, from what I gathered, well, I'll just put this out here. The The victim's name, she was a Australian woman named Justine Rusick. I may not be pronouncing that uh, right. She had called the police to report a possible sexual assault. And apparently the police arrived and she was actually walking out to the police car and supposedly um, the report from the officer was who uh, is Muhammad Noor. He reported hearing a loud sound, uh, and I guess that startled him, and he saw her approaching and, and shot her. So maybe, you know, I'm not, again, we're not clear why he 
shot her. Maybe he, maybe that loud sound he thought she had a gun. I'm not sure. Um, well, and but the other either thing that we got to throw out there is that his body camera was turned off. Yeah, too. yeah. He turned off the body camera. Yeah, and the body camera, as well as the camera on the squad car, the as dash well, cam, yeah. the dash cam, all all that was was off. So, um, we don't, you know, we don't have a a video or anything like we did in uh, Philando uh, in those such in past situations. So I find it very ironic uh, that you know in those situations where it's you know like. Fernando Castillo, um, people are defending the officer, trying to find ways to defend the officer when you've got video um, clearly, you know, showing what to the naked eye that what he did right. was was wrong. But here, uh, you don't have that. You don't have those videos, um, but you don't see people jumping to defend the officer either what shot would think it would make more sense for them to defend the officer in, in this situation when they don't have those videos to as definitive proof that uh, the officer quote unquote did anything wrong um, and to add to the irony of course Philando Castile was killed in the state of Minnesota this right. happened in the state yeah. of Minnesota what yeah. is happening in that state to be honest, you know, it actually probably works out <clears throat> to his benefit that there's no video. And let me tell you why. What would be the repercussions if there's video of a Somali black officer shooting a white woman in cold blood? They might crucify that dude. They might literally reinstitute crucifixion. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what's happening to this guy with no video. And there was, like you said, there was video of the cop that shot Philando. Yeah, like, th- from three and four different from, angles. From three or four different, the body cam, the dash cam. There were multiple angles of him getting shot. If this guy is on tape shooting this white woman in cold blood, he's done. And concealing his weapon to shoot through a door. The, the blast goes through a door and into her body. You right. know, so there's so much deliberation here. Well, <clears throat> well, um, I do think that I would agree that it's to his benefit that there is no video uh at the same time though i wonder how much of a practice that is um with the police to turn off the video in general and so this incident just happened to like pop up on the radar but it's probably like a behavior pattern that exists so that's one thing um the other thing is that i wonder if even if there was video um, what, whether or not, um, he would be, um, sent to prison. I, it's, it's difficult, it's difficult to, it's difficult to say. And I think the reason why that is, is, well, one of the big reasons is because he's a police officer. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're asking a really important question. How thick is that blue wall of silence? I guess we'll find out, right? Yeah. I mean, how how much how high you know is that blue wall of silence and you know how consistent is it depending on the color of the victim and the color of the officer is it going to continue to be silent in these cases i mean you you would have to i mean what what would the repercussions be 
I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about what the you know because I mean if be. it was it, I, I, <clears throat> if it was something that was in the heat of the moment that carries that doesn't carry as much of a that doesn't carry as much of a penalty as things are currently set I mean I, every state's different but from what I can see uh, it doesn't carry as much of a um, as much of a penalty as if something was conspiratorial. So, I guess it's the difference between first and second degree murder. One is premeditated, and the other mm-hmm. is, you know, in the heat of the moment. So, yeah, because the, like one of the situations that I can think of that was nationally known, the only one that I can think of where a police officer actually was sent to prison was uh, in Oklahoma, and it was that half uh oh, european Asian. half yeah. yeah whatever he was korean or mm-hmm. what and then he would he would um he would uh he would he would he would rape he would rape he would like sexually um, oh, sexually yeah, assault he was sexually ago. assault those yeah ladies, he yes. would sexually assault the vulnerable population yeah. of people yes. who had priors uh people who had uh were already untrustworthy of the system he would look like target them and look yeah. them up and um, he knew that people wouldn't believe their testimony, but they all came together, um, and they all had consistent stories. But none of them knew each other during the trial, and then he was actually convicted. So when the evidence is insurmountable, that's mm. when a cop goes away. Basically, I mean, oh. the evidence has to be pristine. Yeah, yeah, but I, multiple cases. Yeah, I, I do think that this will definitely test that wall even even without the evidence being insurmountable because this is a a victim that the majority population can identify with and probably will get behind so you'll get you'll get news organizations like fox news on the on the victim side which fox news would <laughs> be on the officer side mm-hmm. in other situations mm-hmm. so you know based on the the media response the outrage from the public it it will you know again i'm i'm not sure how far this will go but it will definitely test that blue wall and it may it may crumble to some extent you may you may see uh, more repercussions mm-hmm for this officer than you would in in other comparable situations so again this this remains to be seen we'll we'll find out we'll stay tuned but i'm i just believe that it's going to be it it may be a little bit different than it has been in past situations well i don't think it may i think it's definitely going to be different i think Honestly, what it what it will be is, you know, sometimes where you know something is corrupt, like you know people are hypocrites, but it's a different when you see it, when you actually see it. You're like, see, I knew, I knew it, there it is. And that's what this is going to be like when it's actually, when everything comes to fruition and you see the the Blue Lives Matter people disappear, when you see that that blue wall of silence get real talkative, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and no longer remain silent, it'll, it'll put the hypocrisy front and center it'll it'll put it on display for you right well um i would agree uh, with something that dan said is that um you have a victim that the majority of um the 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 mainstream culture uh 
can identify with will be the thing if there's anything to be able to spark um, some kind of um, lasting uh, change, and it would be that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, policing, policing is, is, is state and local. I mean, it's not like it's anything that can be federally mandated. Right. So, you know. Okay, so, you know, if someone's looking for per- pervasive change, it doesn't quite work like, like that, the way that the systems are organized. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. That's the, you know, when you are... But it's got to start somewhere. No, I mean, voting for sheriffs and yeah. voting for judges and mayors, that's what you're talking about, those local those local positions that have more impact. I mean, we can, you know, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how voting can't just be a popularity thing, you know, every four years, but we got to get out to those non, you know, non-popular, you know, or unpopular, excuse me, unpopular, you know, elections, those midterms where it's not on TV and we're voting for these small and local um, elections, we we got to get out there and exercise our rights because you're right, this is the second thing like this that's happened in, the state of Minnesota, mm-hmm. which tells me that there's something in the practice of how they, you know, practice law enforcement in Minnesota, because you don't just do these types of things, you know, randomly. This is what, you, you know, this is probably part of the culture. You know, I don't know if it's everywhere. It could yeah. be every single place, and, but we do know it's in Minnesota. And again, this is what bubbles up on the radar. So, you know, the the, the practice, I'm sure, is un- ongoing. But people don't report it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to believe, you know, me or this or you have to have some kind of, like you said, or somebody said, some undeniable evidence mm-hmm. to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And, you know. I mean, so. this is why I always say that we can't, you know, and as as a believer, this is why I, I, I'll just continue to trumpet this point is that a lot of times I don't expect righteous solutions from unrighteous systems you know i mean they can make these little small tweaks but they have no motivation they have no real motivation for any long-lasting significant change i mean the mayor of minneapolis her response i'm I'm sorry the mayor of minneapolis the, the response of the mayor was to make the police chief resign like how does that solve just the problem the yeah, just replace the face like how does that solve it doesn't solve the problem what that does is put all the heat on that chief who's now gone and that can be the scapegoat see we got that chief out of here everything is fine it's like no that's not really any change that's just switching chairs on the titanic that's literally what that is that's like you have a wedding cake and you're changing the figures on top of it the cake is still there there's there's a there's a there's there's a foundation that has been set and we're gonna change the the people. No, we need to throw the cake away and re yeah. and, and rebake it because uh, there's some systematic yeah, absolutely. problems. Absolutely, something. Yeah, we you know people write tons of books about it, um, about how policing is done in this country and punishment and. Shoot yeah. first, ask questions later. I mean it it all it, it it all goes to the threat level, you know, and who people perceive as a threat and just because they happen to be in a uniform and have a badge they still perceive certain segments of the population as a threat right and yeah speaking but... of people who perceive somebody as a threat right you like that <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, our 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 buddy, Mister Vic from uh, Tidewater. Is it from Tidewater? Yeah, he's Hampton from, yeah, he's from Tidewater. Hampton, Hampton Roads down there. Mm-hmm. They're not the DMV. See that that would be <laughs> that would be considered somebody who can't claim DMV anyway. So, Mister Vic, um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but you're going to hear now. So, Mike Vic was on Fox Sports News or Fox Sports. I'm so used to saying Fox. It's News. just Fox Sports. It's just Fox Sports. He was on Fox Sports this week with with everyone's favorite black journalist. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so he 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 was on Fox Sports and they got on the subject of Colin Kaepernick. And so Mike Vick proceeds then to say um, that Colin's real reason for not having a job in the NFL was not because he took a knee, but it's because he needs to get his, his haircut. He needs to get a haircut and present himself in a different light. He needs to be more presentable. Um, uh, and and you know Mike's like oh, I I understand that Collins you know socially conscious and all that I'm not talking about all that I'm talking about you got to be more presentable you got to be more clean cut et cetera et cetera et cetera and as you know not surprising there was a significant backlash um, and then Mike you know of course comes out and tries to clarify his comments you know because I don't know if y'all know but Mike uh, but Colin is rocking like a Dr J Afro from like the 70s I mean Colin's af- you know Afro game is is pretty strong right now. Um, <laughs> but what I want to talk about is not just Mike's comments, but the fact that I believe there's some validity to his comments. I can tell you guys, as a, as a black male in the United States, I understand that to certain segments of the population, I am perceived as a threat. And so what Mike is talking about, particularly as it pertains to corporate America, right? He's saying, you know, when Colin's going to present himself to these billionaire owners, right? And these millionaire general managers and president of football operations and those type of people, he needs to present himself in a different light, which is what Mike, it, at, at the core is what Mike was saying, present yourself in, in a different light. And I think from, you know, honestly, the to, to ignore that point, is naive in my eyes. It's to you know. I'm not saying it's right because it's not, and it sucks that I have to live a, my life a certain kind of way that other people don't. But to ignore that fact, I think is naive. Yeah, it's just that I think it's it's easy though to ignore that fact because the blaring issue, it's almost a blinding issue that comes forth, is who Mike Vick is and what <laughs> he has experienced with the world. You know, with the white power structure um, when. You know, he he broke the law as being someone who owns a uh, dogfighting ring. Uh, So, you know, of course, we know that, you know, there are all kinds of problems with the response that he got and having to do time in federal prison for that, not because dogs aren't valuable, but we live in a society where, you know, someone kills a baby. They don't get that kind of right. uh, that kind of penalty. Uh, yet dogs somehow, you know. So there are all kinds of problems there. However, we just offended all the dog lovers out yeah, there. Yeah, you know, I, I think that you know, yeah. I think that people Peter's should not. Up, right? yeah, yeah, I mean, of course, I love dogs uh, as well. And so, but either way, you know, Mike Vick was the wrong person, um, mm-hmm. and and had an extremely short memory to make that kind of statement. So yes, it was very easy for people to to kind of sidestep the truth in what he said, you know, which is lined up with what a lot of our parents and grandparents told us, which is 
you have to be twice as good to get half as far, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, there's a um, couple of things. One is that this 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 conversation makes the assumption that Colin Kaepernick wants to play in the NFL, which he doesn't. So clearly, I mean, he does in the fact that he's an NFL he's an NFL caliber level level player, but he has more uh, important things as in his mind and at stake and so he's he is following um he's following his conviction and what he believes and so if people can't appreciate him or accept him or love him uh in that way professionally and can't separate the two then you know it is i mean it is what it is and so this again makes the uh, assumption that he wants to play but uh I, there there is there is um it all depends i so there's a i will say that there's a level of truth to it but i would say that you know it all depends on it all depends on um uh where where you want to fit in history and where you want to fit in the current state of things if you do not like the way um the current state of things are then um, it is an opportunity for you to do something about it or not do something about it. And so, for example, to speak on the haircutting uh, or the gentrification uh, of um, a black man's behavior. Uh, I mean, it's a black woman thing, too, but I'll speak specifically on a black man's behavior or how we present. Because it's not just how we present. It's how we act. It's the tone of our voice. It's the timbre of our voice, the bass in our voice. Mm -hmm. It's the words that we use. They use this term code switching when you go between, you know, um, one culture to another culture to the mainstream culture or or, uh, white stream culture. Some people have said it's it is all of our white listeners out there. That's when we use our white voice. And he comes to the family reunion and say, "What? But that, what? Yeah. That I'm com- just a joke. Just yeah, like. that comes at a sacrifice, right? And um, it's a psychological sacrifice. It's a physical. It's a physical sacrifice. Um, and uh, it, it, the in you know you're talking about billionaires and and all of that, but they're not just billionaires. They're white billionaires, and so. Um, it goes back to the, I mean, this country and capitalism and, and slavery. I may have mentioned it in the last podcast, but um, there were laws in place in the in the in the Commonwealth of Virginia and in other and in other states, and um, and those laws were that a white person, like a, a black person, could not work, uh, could not work over a white person. A white person could, had to always present themselves in a managerial position, and um, that is in the DNA. Um, loyalty and royalty is in my DNA. I know right? it's in the it's in it, it's in <laughs> Virginia, the We know what's it's, in the DNA. It's in the DNA of the construct of this society, and so um, for for. So Michael Vick is correct in the terms of you know basically if you want to go and you know it's called dancing, like you got to dance for white folks, yep. and um, it all depends on whether or not you know like if that's what you really want for your life because you don't have to do anything you don't want to, and so if you want to go into a you know a, a job interview 
with your hair all out, then, I mean, you know, that's up to you. But here's the thing. There's some assumptions made there, right? Like the fact that we're taught to go to job interviews. We're taught to go to work for people. Like it's in the base. It's, 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 it's in the education. It's in our education. It goes back for generations that we are designed to be subservient to this society. Even when like, you're free, then time, you know, you, you spent two and a half centuries having to depend upon uh, that type of employment working for free. But even when you are quote unquote freed, you still have that same paradigm that you live Abs- according to. Absolutely. And so the, 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 the uh, us, like this whole immigrant people of color stuff, African-Americans are different. You know, we're more related to the Native American than any other group here. Native American and to some extent white folks because we've been here since they've been here. But we're different. So we're not like... We're not necessarily like um, Jewish people who have come over or Irish people who have come over or even those Somalians that who have come over and that are in Minnesota or like West Africans and Nigerians who started coming over in the 60s. We're not like any of that. Like we are a group of people that descend from uh, from from a trade deficit, from from the exploitation of a group of people. Um, we were we were born and we were bred here, and so our view our view here is just it's completely different. We are we we are taught we are taught we are taught that we are supposed to work for white people. Like it, we want white doctors. If it ain't white, it ain't right. Like we we frying our hair, um, we bleaching our skin. We're we're cutting our hair. We're we're we um, we wear these suits with ties that are reminiscent of nooses and dog leashes. And I mean, it is you. Michael Vick is correct. Dog leashes. He's like that, right? Michael Vick is <laughs> Michael Vick is correct um, in the terms that you know you have to. A lot of times you have to cut your hair and do certain things in order to get this get this money. But um, it's not necessarily the only. You know, it's not necessarily the only way, and it's unfortunate, but the harder way, when you're doing stuff for black folks, because what, what does Mike Vick, no disrespect, but what does he really know, you know, about building something? He don't know that much about building. I, and about I, I feel comfortable in saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel, and I don't even know the guy. He's yeah. made way more money than me, but I feel very comfortable in saying what, asking that question. Well, that's you what know? I was saying earlier. Yeah. I think the more to the fault of, the vessel in which it was coming from yeah. as opposed to what was being said. Because when you hear it coming from Mike Vick, you're like, really, you know, really Mike? Like, nah. Like what, well, what older, had, so older people, I've had people in my family say that very same thing, right? Well, yeah, like, yeah, like, just like I no, said but earlier. What, I'm saying yeah. is what if it came from someone who had built something? You see I, what I'm saying? Like a builder and then they would have came on and be like, yeah, you know, you need to present yourself. You know a what? More but would that. that person have said that? You know, someone who is self-made, Claude Anderson. You know, somebody who mm-hmm. has learned the Ice value. Cube. Yeah, who's learned mm-hmm. the value of of, of self-sufficiency, yep. of knowing, of, of being able to create their own job. Would that exactly. person have even said that? They, I, I don't know. I, well, well, that's I, a good point. I, I, and and so I'll do a, a backflip off of Eva's, you know, setup. No, I I I because I, I know Claude. I don't know personally, but I read his books, and right. I you know I. No, they wouldn't. They would not. No, it would only be it will only be someone who gets their gets their loot from oh, being an oh, employee. Oh, oh, yeah, being an employee, being an employee exactly from 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 this um, institution. Because when you work, 
you know, when you work for like when you work for black folks, um, it doesn't. I mean, I'm repeating what someone said, but I've lived it and, and I live it now. And I, so I know what it's like when you work for black folks, the money is not necessarily the same as when you go and you work for white folks. Like we're not as far along in the money situation as when you go and you work work for white people. It's the so, difference between old money and new money. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, there's a 1600 meter dash and we're held back for three laps and, you know, allowed yeah. to run one, you know. So, yeah, it's fully understandable. Yeah, yeah. But to, to, to jump off of that, so Colin Kaepernick didn't even respond directly to Mike. You know, he hit him <laughs> with the little passive aggressive drink and he he tweeted a screenshot of the definition of Stockholm syndrome. Um when you and for those of you who don't know what Stockholm syndrome is, it is when the oppressed after a certain period of time begin to identify more with their oppressor than they do with themselves. And so they actually begin to have feelings of affection, not erotic affection, but in terms of, you know, Identification, yeah, maybe. They, yeah. Empathy. Empathy, thank you. <clears throat> they, they empathize more with their oppressor than they do with themselves and their own oppressed state. So I thought that was very interesting that he was so aware of where, because if he had responded to Mike directly, I think that it would have went in a different direction. So I think he, it was really keen of him to respond that way. It was very, very sharp. It definitely would have went in a different direction. That's mm-hmm. for sure. That was a classy move. Yeah, I, it I really, was a really do that. Move, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I want to just kind of bring it back and just switch gears for a second, just back to the original comment that Mike Vick made, which I, I do agree that. You know, it, it does have some truth in it, but is I don't know if I can fully agree that that is the reason why Colin Kaepernick can is not finding a <laughs> right. job in F- NFL because yeah. unlike unlike um, you know corporate America sports, you see people with different hairstyles all the time. It if your level of play is good, they don't care. Uh, so can you fit that hair under the under yeah, the helmet? Can you fit it under the helmet? Because they're not really concerned. Now, the issue with Colin Kaepernick, of course, which you know, we've been talking about for you know a couple of years now, is be, yeah because of his stance, because of him not taking the knee, because of of him, um, you know just supporting the black lives matter movement this is this is why we're seeing the the backlash not not because of his hair not because <laughs> of his physical image like i said that i don't think that that matters as much in in the sports world as it does i, I do agree it does have significant bearing in, in corporate america um but again as if you if you can play well they don't care um, but could you say the same thing? Let's say, cause you know, I, quite honestly, we can say Colin Kaepernick right now, you know, he hasn't had, he, yeah, at one point he did, uh, get to the NFL or the NFC championship, but in the past couple of years, things have not been going that, that great right. for him. But let's say, uh, let's say he was, um, you know, like a Aaron Rodgers or yep. Tom Brady, if he was making these same statements, 
would he would he have the same difficulty oh, of finding a job but that yeah. but you know what that goes back to yeah. whether black men have the right to to have lulls in their in their um in their performance big mm. ben has had a lull every yeah. quarterback you know has had times where they've been up and times they've been down and you wait it out because you know that there's talent there are black men allowed to do that when they also have um, um when they also have opinions when it comes to social justice yeah and i don't I don't think that's the case. You see a lot more patience, you know, with like say a a white quarterback who's mediocre um, than you like. We I'm trying to remember the some years ago, whoever like the quarterback we had before RG three and all that. The white quarterback. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh Beck, huh? no, no, it wasn't. Um, he. The dude they had before they drafted RG three. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. I forgot about was, him. He was, I mean, mediocre. No, no, Rex Grossman. Beck, no, no, Gross, Beck and Grossman. Grossman, yeah. Grossman, Grossman Rex, 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 yep. Rex Grossman, who was I was thinking about. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, his, he stayed around for for Long a while time. despite playing horribly. Um, <laughs> now I forgot how bad he He was. So if if you compare Colin Kaepernick and Russ Grossman, Colin Kaepernick hasn't right. beat beat by le- leaps and bounds. So no, I don't think um, you know it, it. You know the same patience isn't displayed because of you know his his stance on social causes right now. That's that's why the same patience isn't being dis- displayed. Honestly, you know, and and I think it's not all just about Colin Kaepernick. I think what the NFL is doing is they're trying to squash this. Yeah, I think he's, a, he's the face of it, but what they're saying, similar to when we talked about a couple weeks ago about what the F, the Fraternal Order Police is doing with Marilyn Mosby right in Baltimore. Similarly, I think that NFL owners and general managers, they're saying there's not going to be another Kaepernick. So we're going to make an example. We're going to make an example of an above average, because I wouldn't even call Colin great. He's not a great quarterback, but he is above average. He's an above average NFL starting caliber quarterback who cannot find a job, not even as a backup. So what they're doing is we're going to make an example of Colin Kaepernick just in case, you know, the the Geno Smiths of the world or the Dak Prescotts of the world, or anybody else, you know, uh, Russell Wilson, that anybody else ever gets an inkling, this is what will happen to you. This is So we're going to put Colin out here on this island by himself. Whether he wants to play, I think, is inconsequential because he's not going to. You see what I'm saying? I think well, the fact that he doesn't want to play helps him because he can focus on other things. Has he said he doesn't want to play, or has he said what's more important to my life yeah, he is social justice? Important. Yeah. Okay. But I, but if somebody gave him a contract, he would he would come back and play. But yeah. I think they're they're making an example of Colin Kaepernick to say, hey, you're not going to what is it, the NFL called the the shield. You're not going to buck the shield. This shield is preeminent as it pertains to our image as the NFL. In, different from other leagues because the NFL in particular, they work to present a particular image. The NBA, Major League Baseball, they don't work as hard to present a particular image. But the NFL in particular, anybody who comes against that shield, they will run you over and out of the way. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, um, I would say that, I mean, the NFL, like 
professional sports in general, but particularly with the NFL, I mean, for for it to exist and it is, I mean, it's extremely racial. Like the whole thing is like, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, it's essentially we're watching slaves run around on the field where you have a majority of the fans um, who don't identify or aren't culturally related to they, you know a whole a whole lot of people, right? And the white owners, you don't even have you have very few black coaches. Again, it goes back to uh, people being white people always being in managerial positions. Over like we're not as far as you would think when you look on that field. And so the idea with the NFL is that we want these people to fall rank and to fall in line so that we can keep this practice, keep this thing going mm. as as long as we can because it is crumbling because of the CTE stuff, right? Yeah. And because of because of social media and because of democratization of communication and, you know, a sport that's so ravaged like that can't last that long. You, you, you dig? Um, and so... I think I agree with you, AJ. I think that they're using Colin Kaepernick as a as an example to preserve or to conserve the wealth in which that they have while they can. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's two things, you know, as it pertains to Colin. This is why I think, for me personally, it actually makes me harken back to Muhammad Ali, and it makes what Ali did back in the '60s that much more impactful because Colin is not even, like you said, Dan, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's not that dude. He's just like a cat. He's just like another cat. It'd be different if he, if this is LeBron or somebody on that level we're talking about. When Ali did what he did, he was the LeBron of his day. As as was Jim Brown, as was, what's the dude from the Boston Celtics? Bill uh, Russell. Bill Russell. Russell. Those were top, yeah, they were top. Like, and then they still took a stand. Imagine the impact he would have had had he been that dude. Like this, this is creating waves, and mm. Collins just like another dude. So you know, when when I when I saw how this was playing out, it made me just really think back to Ali, and I was just like, man, can you imagine being like the number one? Like back when boxing was like the the thing, to be like the number one boxer in the world, and to be like, you know what, I'll forfeit my prime to stand up for what I I believe, and I just thought that that was it's just so much much more impactful. The the second thing that got me to to thinking is about Mammon, and for those I'm, I'm about to get real esoteric on you out there. For those of you listening, you remember the if I'm not mistaken, it was the University of Minnesota. Goodness <laughs> the, the, gracious! The college the college football team they got their president fired in less than a week when the entire team, Missouri it was Missouri. Thank you. It was Missouri. That would have been real cool. If it was Minnesota, <laughs> right. We'd have had a Minnesota-centric show. But anyway, yes, University of Missouri, because it was Mizzou. Yeah, University of Missouri. The whole football team was like, we're not playing. And they got the president of the, of the university out. Now, what that showed me was dudes who aren't even getting paid had enough power to for a college president to lose his job. And I would, that, that makes me think, how strong the spirit of mammon is for these guys for oh, nobody in the, in the NFL for nobody to have Collins back like publicly now they might do it behind closed doors you know hey brother you know I got you but no one to say you know what if Colin doesn't get a job I'm not playing that's really important do you know how much power like what Avery just said because the majority of the NFL it's like 75% is African American so you're talking about if these guys say you know what Colin's not playing 
I'm not playing. If you don't, if 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 you guys can't give Colin a job, you know what? I'm gonna sit out this season. Right, mammon, right? Mammon. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's, they have those unguaranteed contracts. Exactly. They're not taught uh, to 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 conserve their money. They the the average mm. uh, NFL player's career is like three years, three point five, yeah, three point five, w- w- yeah. whatever it is, like. You know they they that you know they they're separated they're separated and they they are they they are um focused on their individual successes and so which is kind of funny because yeah. the whole thing is about team especially yeah. in football. But some of the yeah. more vocal NFL players like Richard Sherman and mm-hmm. even who his um his former teammate uh, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. You know again we're not saying that they're not you know encouraging uh, Colin Kaepernick behind the scenes, but we don't see them even the most vocal ones stepping up. Because well, this could be I, resolved very quickly. I mean, I, I oh yes, I, oh yes. I think I, I think they're probably like way more deserving targets than Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> like, I'm I talking mean, about they, the ones who they, they, open they, up their they've mouths. Been the, you know, yeah. I mean, prior to Colin Kaepernick, those those are the people that we've had. You know, yeah. Not, you know, I don't know. Just, you know, I know. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. No, but real I think just, just, oh. just people who are more vocal. They're, you yeah, know, that's yeah. all I'm saying. If yeah, you talk about Von you. Miller, but just you know, faces of the league. But this could be resolved very quickly. You yeah. get a handful of those guys to say, you know what, I'm not playing until y'all give Colin a job. We're not or Odell playing. Beckham, yeah, or um, well, Des Bryant. Yeah, I mean, mm. you could you could just rattle off all the top mm. guys. We know who wouldn't. We know our Car- Carolina Panthers brother wouldn't. Oh, you know? Cam. So there's certain people who wouldn't, Cam. but we're looking to those Cam. who might. <laughs> Yeah, so, see how he was dressing. <laughs> he was like, yeah. The last person. Look, Cam's not gonna lose those boots. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not losing these hats. As long as he can prance, you know, that's all we need. I mean, so, a guy like that. I'm sorry, a guy like that. You know, he's doing everything he can to not get shot. You know, because what is he like? Eight feet tall. You, you know, yeah, doing, but but I, you know, I believe it's it's a very good point as far as the mammon that just. Whereas back in Muhammad Ali's day, you you would have people being more bold, standing more firm in social causes. But now, you know, a lot of the the head sport figures, those you know, at the top of the game, those who even are vocal because they don't, you know, they don't want to lose that money. They don't want to even take that risk, so they're not willing to come out there. And they're not, you know, like you said, if they, if you present as a united front, as a community, um, then you're going to make change. But one, one lone voice like Colin Kaepernick, they, they just kind of brush them to the side, get them out of the scene. But if you get a whole lot of people standing up, then you're going to see real change. Now, is that going to happen? Of course not. (laughs) If and this it, is what the Bible talks about. You can't serve two masters. That's not always, you know, you, you don't have to always look at that in a biblical sense. Even in, in this particular case, you can't serve a social cause and line in your pockets, right? You cannot serve two masters. It's impossible. So in it's a universal principle. Yep. It's a universal principle that when you're doing something, you cannot have dichotomy in what yeah, you're doing. It, you have to be all on one or you'll either have the worst of both or the best of one, but you cannot have the best of both. And that's what you see. You see here, these guys, I mean, listen, I guarantee you there's been some behind the scenes conversations, but at the end of the day, guys like, yo, like what you said, I'm not jeopardizing this check. I don't care what they do to Colin. I don't care if he's, you know, broke. 
I'm not jeopardizing this check. Well, then guess what? You are not going to be seen in that same light as the Jim Browns or the Muhammad Ali's of the world. You know what I'm saying? You're not one. You're not going to be seen in that same light. But then two, the situation won't change either. Yep. Uh, right. I I will say like one, social justice doesn't come with the same money as that as the conforming with the group. Oh yeah. Uh, two, uh, I would say that uh, man, I forgot my second thought. Well, that one thing I one thing I did want to bring up though is that it appears that Colin Kaepernick isn't one of those guys who's bro- you know who 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 doesn't know how to manage his affairs and that or financial affairs and that speaks to something in addition to it which mm-hmm. is if you want to be free in this life handle your business financially now so that you have your multiple streams you have your diverse portfolio so if you do want to make some waves and make some moves and actually live out who you are then you can do that. Oh. And it looks like he's able to do that. We don't know all of, you know, we don't know the details of his finances, but it looks like he set himself up to be able to do that. So, so I, yes. And I, 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 will, I also wanted to say, this is a thought that I had that slipped my mind, is that um, the, your oppressor, your adversary, your enemy, whatever it is you want to say, your opposition, also becomes smarter, right? So it's like the tactics that work in the past don't necessarily work in the future. So um, I'm just thinking about going back to the Mizzou situation and how they the that, that, that team was able to get together, rally together, and then uh, boycott playing until something was done with uh, racial epithets or whatever it was that was going on at the school. And then the right. – the, 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 I think the the president had to resign. It was something along those lines. Yeah. And, and and what their demands were, what their demands had, what they were were met. Um, but the thing is, is that I'm sure what happened that's not televised is that the NCAA said, "Oh, okay, all right. So let's go ahead. We take that L, but then we write up some legislation, some documentation, some rules to go within our constitution." To be able to prevent something like that from happening, to punish that type of act in the future, so, um, so we have to then from there become smarter about the things in which that we do, and that goes back to like one of the previous things that uh, I think we were going to discuss that we hadn't, but it was about the uh, um, the alternative to the NCAA. Uh, it was it was. Um, there's a gentleman, like a couple people that had the this this concept of HBCUs coming together to be able to allow for students pay for play, yeah. To yeah. pay for play. Exactly. 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 So uh, and, and it touches on exactly what you're talking about. Like we have to be able to own the own own our own situation. You know, a lot but of that, these things that are, ownership mm-hmm. doesn't start without some sacrifice. No, it doesn't. That's, and that's where right, it's like someone has to be willing to be like, it I'll take an L, yeah, so that y'all exactly. Can well, well thrive. yeah, I mean the whole the whole like four hundred for uh, sixteen hundred meters ahead, right? Like, yeah. do I go to Kentucky? Well, I know. I mean, I'm a great basketball player. Do I go to Kentucky? Well, I know I could be one and done, and barring great injury. Like I'll get drafted, or do you come to the H A M P T O N? I don't even know what that. that is. I don't but, know about all that. Right? Do oh, I go? No. Yeah, I don't know about you know, all that. Do I go to Phillips College? Or, I don't know. I just, I'm making stuff up now, but uh, and I can I get a so. check, but it's like now it's a it's a it's taking a risk, right? It's taking a risk on an unknown. 
but you had that, that that goes back to the entrepreneurial education and spirit that we have to be embedded with as a as a youngster as a well, child. In, in, in order for great basketball players at the college level to make that leap I think they have to get over something um, because it and that something is anything that is run or tied or owned by minorities we automatically think is less than. absolutely let's just go ahead and put that out there and well, black of, people in particular. No, it every depends on the consciousness that, yeah, of the person. Saying. It depends That's on the I consciousness. Because you, as someone who's from the Caribbean, I can tell you it's not just black people. It's anything that's minority run, that's not run by Europeans, any minority looks at it as less than. Depends on the and they, consciousness it, of the, the person. The, the presentation, well, yeah, of course, not every single person. Right, right, right. But in, in, in general. And... So I think that that'll help us pivot and transition because one of the things that happened this week was your your boy Sammy Sosa doing an interview looking like a Care Bear. <laughs> the Care home Bears run thing. king. Yeah, right. It was Mr. a mixture that there was it was gray, pink. I well, I I've never seen that it was like color a dull before. Peach. So like I, a, as somebody in media, um just know that colors can be tweaked. Right, colors can be tweaked, especially with memes. But what? Why I don't necessarily argue it, and I let y'all ride with the Care Bear thing and the huge pink <laughs> is because the man admitted to bleaching. Yeah, yeah, I bleach, baby. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. at this, at that them point, all bleach. bets are off. Them a bleach out this game. Yeah, bleach. Apparently, <laughs> he's, he's been bleaching since at least two thousand nine. Yeah. So this is not the first media appearance with him, but. With bleach skin, but apparently it's gotten worse and worse. And with a straight face, he says it. He says, yes, I bleach. Um, I'm going to start making more television appearances, and I want to look more presentable. Again, from his his paradigm, uh, he looks more presentable because he's taken melanin out of his skin. Shirley cards. You you all know what that is, Shirley cards? I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, It is Shirley cards invented by Kodak. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and Kodak, Kodak developed the process of film exposure that was based off of um, that was that was based off of fair skin, and so um, throughout okay. through, through, throughout the years when it comes to photography, I mean, you see it you're growing up when photos are taken. You know, if you're of a particular complexion, you just you look like a ghost or a shadow. Like who is that uh, dot? Oh, that's Uncle John. Right, exactly. Exactly. And 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 so <laughs> all modern technology, all modern dick technology was built off of that racial bias when it comes to photography and videography. Okay, so you're saying Sammy has a point with respect to that. Um, well, but to I, make a I permanent mean, decision about his health. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm not encouraging to do that. I'm just saying yeah. that you, you know, that like, like, it's when he's saying he's making more television appearances. I just, uh, I'm just saying, like, a lot of us aren't on TV or really pay attention to that kind of thing. Yeah. But you gotta like just that's the mind. That's the that it sounds like that is something that he's talking about. So because yeah. yeah, what it what it speaks to is <clears throat> that self hate. And the point I wanted to just throw out here for discussion is that I think it's a little nearsighted or short-sighted, excuse me, because African-Americans sometimes don't realize how many other groups also deal with this issue. Anybody who has been impacted significantly by colonization or colonialism has, has had a brush and has had issues and still have issues with self-hate. And 
the Eurocentric worldview that's put and pumped into everything in this culture. And so what you see here is Afro-Latinos, right? That's dark-skinned Hispanic people. For those of you who don't know, the slave trade didn't just come to the United States. Brazil, Central America, South America, there's tons of black-skinned people in many of these Hispanic nations who struggle with this same self-hate because their entire culture was built on colonialism. And so what you're seeing from Sammy, who's a dark-skinned Dominican, is like, yo, I can be dark-skinned and play baseball. That's okay. But now I want to get on TV. Now the game is flipped. I'm going to have to do something else, right? I'm going to have to lighten up my skin for the threat of skin cancer and all the other things that those skin bleaching creams can do, which is clearly written on the bottles and people still don't care. He's still willing to do that because of the self-hate that is so subconscious. You don't even realize it's there until you get into these things and find yourself doing stuff. You're like, yo, where'd this come from? It's there. It's in my subconscious because from the moment I was one, two, three years old, I was told, I was taught and trained that dark skin, you know, kinky hair, et cetera, et cetera. What you call it? Palo Malo, right? Oh, no. Palo Malo. Palo Malo. Dan's wife is, uh, she's fluent in uh, Spanish. So, yeah, there it is. Palo Malo. Look that up. Yeah. (laughs) Quote, unquote, bad hair. Feel me. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely agree with what you said. Basically, I would say, again, throughout the whole Western Hemisphere here, the, you know, Caribbean, Latin American countries, South America, in terms of the, the the racism there, a lot of countries there about as bad as it is here. They're about like seventy years behind us. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, of progress, yeah. in terms of progress, you know the this you know the racial bias there, the the struggle with uh, accepting who you are. And one thing I just want to look, you know, examine is the fact that again. Um, you know, I'm. I can't speak from experience um, because, again, I say like every ep- episode or every other episode, <laughs> I am, I am white. Uh, but when you um, dealing with a majority culture where the image of beauty that is portrayed and pumped out through the media, being told is a white uh, Eurocentric and you live with that your whole life, then it seems no wonder you're going to struggle with self-hate. And there, as much as, yeah, there is progress being made now, you know, after all these years in in the United States, not when I say progress, I'm not saying that things are where they need to be at all, by any means, but in terms of where we were, uh, 70, 80 years ago, there is a significant difference. But again, a lot of these countries, and I can speak to, you know, even my wife uh, spent some time in Colombia, so she was able to see those things up front uh, where, yeah, they are, they struggle with accepting things and, you know, the whole, the whole pelo malo thing and uh, just whole natural hair thing is like a big new phenomenon there 
and it's you know starting to take root but it's nowhere near where it is here so again they're still you know you're still struggling with accepting who you are because of the majority culture because of what gets pumped in what what the standard of a beauty is if if you know if, if everyone if if there was no quote unquote standard of beauty but every one was taught to uh value themselves in the in light of who god created them to be that everyone is beautiful in in god's eyes if, if that was what was being pumped out through the media and <laughs> in in the majority culture then i don't believe this would be the the issue that it is right now but it is because the majority culture teaches that if you're white or have your essential features you're beautiful if you're not those if you're darker if you have african features you're you're not beautiful so you need to change to adjust uh to our standard of beauty yeah propaganda is so powerful you know like um, human beings we think we consider ourselves to be so strong and smart and you know progressive but somebody puts an image in front of you long enough um that's going to seep into your your consciousness and even determine your worldview if it happens over and over that's the way the brain learns it learns by repetition Mm -hmm. you know so if every time you turn around um, as was mentioned earlier, when you look at the Western Hemisphere and all the Africans who were carted over here, um, you know, a few centuries ago, 95% of them ended up in Latin America, South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Only 5% ended up here. So this is happening all over the hemisphere. And then in other countries, the Philippines is experiencing this. Other Asian countries are experiencing this. South Asia, you know. Um, But one thing that is interesting also, um, I had a conversation with a friend whose parents are Nigerian. She said that even before colonization came to her particular ethnicity, which is the Igbo, um, there was a preference for lighter. So, uh, you know, I don't know what is going on globally where, you know, even in some societies. Now, of course, it's perpetuated by the fact that they were colonized by the British. And then there was a certain set of uh, beauty standard that was brought. And so that made it even worse. But some societies actually had pre-colonial um, preference for lighter skin. Some people think it might be because those with, you know, who were wealthier didn't have to labor in the sun all day. And so it was considered a sign of wealth simply because they weren't outside all day. Um, who knows, but, but it's, it's really, as Dan said, we, we need to have societies. And for those of you who are parents, uh, we need to have a, a society and influence others in such a way that they embrace the way that they were designed, uh, instead of, and, and also if we're going to propagandize, we should have prop, if we should do it right, have propaganda that shows all kinds of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not to their benefit to do that. I mean, you're, what you just said was exactly true, but if I have a particular agenda, it's not to my benefit to have images that display all types of beauty. Um, I think that one of the like one of one of the things that colonialism did do it it not just impacted you know African peoples, but it impacted you know globally. There, it, it's a global impact. I mean, you can go to the country of India and see how darker skinned Indians are treated. You and they have to, the the 
the whole caste system. Yeah, yeah with the untouchables. With, yeah. And the, the darker-skinned mm-hmm. Indian people are always at the bottom. Um, East Asia, China, Japan, Korea, a lot of those countries, they get their surgery on their eyes to make their eyes look more Western, quote-unquote. Right, so it's it's that self hate. I think that epicantic fold. There it is. I'm yeah, sorry, because you know I forgot that. For they remove the epicantic yeah. folds, the double flap that goes over the eye to protect from um, debris in the wind. So we have to, and you know, Dan brought up a very good point, and this is where I think, as believers, you know, again, I, I don't know, maybe I just put too much naive faith in the body of Christ because I swear it's like I, this is what I would expect believers to be talking about like these are the types of you know how disheartening it is when I hear like someone who I've heard proclaim the gospel right who I've heard proclaim the things of God you're like yo this is a solid cat and then they'd be like oh I'll mess with them they don't got good hair you'd be like what this is terrible. like I've, like, I've terrible. heard people who I know who I thought was solid who am I who <laughs> call him out call him out turn these, turn these mics off I'm going to tell y'all that <laughs> but what that is what that goes to Dan is I think that they don't fully understand the image of God yeah. because if you cannot see people in the image of God and you still can identify with these earthly traits and you see them as that and only that not that that's not a part that enhances them right because all of our different cultures enhance us but I'm not just that Right. So if all I can see is your dark skin or your slanted eyes or your kinky hair or whatever it is. Right. If that's all that I can see, that's the only thing that I identify you as. And I don't mess with them because they're that or I don't mess with them. It's like, yo, you really don't fully understand the image of God. Like that's that's really what your problem is. Your problem ain't with me because the Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So your issue is, even though you think it's with me, it's not really with me. Your issue is really the fact that you can't fully embrace the full image of God because if you understood that, you would understand his image encompasses all of this. What I think is Revelation 7. I saw a group of people before the throne. hundreds and millions. Yeah, Yeah, with every tribe, tongue, and nation represented. So we have to get to the place where we can fully understand and fully receive the full image of God and yeah. not just get caught up and get hung up on these little small you know yeah I you know I totally agree however I, I do you know at least for myself uh, and I would say for anyone who does have similar features to me <laughs> a word of, a word of caution there it's, it's easy for me to pretty much anywhere I go in the world, um, because of, you know, because I'm a white male or, you know, well, yeah, colonization, all that, but any, just about anywhere I go in the world and any, anyone else who shares my complexion go in the world, we're not going to be treated as lower class citizens. You know, we're not going to be treated, uh, we're going to be quote unquote elevated in a lot of places. Uh, even by people who don't share the same features as us um, because this is the standard of beauty that's being portrayed, not just here, but even throughout the whole world. Um, So I I do, saying all that, I I do want to say that I can't, because I I don't have to deal with the self-hate that a lot of people 
do do have to deal with because of what is being pumped out because you know the the image of beauty is being pumped out that you know this is the standard if you don't like this then you're not meeting it so yeah i don't i can't i'm not saying that people who uh hate themselves based on how they look are are totally blameless um but you know it's a struggle i believe someone yeah that they can be a at least a halfway (laughs) decent uh believer and and have these areas of fault these areas of struggle um just because it's again it's not my area of struggle because i don't have to deal with that by default Um, yeah well you have enough consciousness to be able to say oh just because it's not something that affects me directly uh it doesn't mean it doesn't exist you know but what you just spoke about is white privilege which is global and we have people as aj uh, was alluding to who will preach the gospel and be on point in terms of theology but then we'll turn around and say white privilege doesn't exist you know this is a figment of these folks imagination or um, even some people who suffer from double consciousness, I would say, um, would turn it around and say that it also doesn't exist um, and okay. that uh, God has privileged some people in certain ways and we should be thankful for privilege. But you're, you know, and these are people who some, you know, some people would actually preach the gospel a theologic, in, a, in a theological, in a theologically um, accurate way. So, you know, one thing that as human beings and as Christians that we need to learn to do, because all of us have them, is examine our biases. Yeah. You know, we, we need to realize every, every person who's been impacted by society has biases. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not blind, deaf, dumb. We have, you know, the, the, we have the five senses and those are gateways where images and ideas are coming at us. But the idea is to Look at your biases, and then let's let's deal with that instead of, you know, um, instead of sort of not following the gospel in the sense that we're not seeing other people as as those made in the image of God. I think we have to, you know, um, change change our citizenship. I think you know many people come into quote unquote becoming a believer, but we've never really changed our citizenship. Mm. You know, I can visit a country, I can stay there for a long time, work visa and all of that, and never gain citizenship. You know, I speak from experience because there are many people in my family who've been in this country. They still held their citizenship from Jamaica, still held citizenship from Trinidad. They're like, yo, I'm not You go dropping dimes and snitching on your family. (laughs) I know. Nice thing you know, ice is knocking at your door. Look at you. Look at you. This will be edited out. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you. they, you know, there's a there's a certain connection that was never made, and I think you know, First Peter two talks about that. That you know, we're royal priesthood, chosen people. You know that that word people in First Peter two is actually ethnos, right? So God takes people from other groups and makes a new group, like a new group that didn't exist before, right? A new ethnos that wasn't previously in the earth is now in the earth, and we have to not only just like because the 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 gospel is the door. We love talking about the door, but we never talk about like taking our citizenship. You know, the Bible says we've been translated from one kingdom to another. You've been mm. translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I got to step in there and take my citizenship in that other kingdom. I can't just talk about the door constantly. Oh, the door is great. Yo, you got to come in, man. This door is like that, man. If you come into this door, it's going to be all good. Wow. No, I, I have to then 
plant my roots and take my citizenship in that other place. And in in order to do one of the things, you know, for me to do in doing that is I have to understand that in this place, everybody's not going to look like me. Right. In this place, everybody is not going to come from the same cultural background that I come from. That's part of the prerequisites for me taking my citizenship in this other place, right? If I'm going to become that part of that other ethnos. And I think for believers, we can't come in, bring that baggage and think it's just going to be cool to just stay with the baggage. Well, you know, it's, it's all good. No, I don't look to these earthly unrighteous systems to bring forth this kind of change because they don't have the motivation to do so. If I'm in power, if I'm rich, if I'm wealthy, what motivation is there for me to share that with you? I have no motivation. Mm-hmm. I want to keep the power for myself. So I personally look to another place for that change. I don't look to these institutions that have systematically oppressed people over and over and over again. I say, okay, what's the purpose of God's people in the earth, right? One of those things is to bring about change mm-hmm. that comes from above. Jesus rising from the dead presents himself first to a woman, right? First century Middle Eastern culture, that's like, yo, what do you mean you presented yourself to a woman West first? West Asian. West Asian, excuse me. The Middle East didn't exist at the time of Jesus. <laughs> Correction, right? But that's like earth shattering in, in, in terms of their culture. For, he, for, him to go, for the angel to go tell her, go tell the brothers that he's arisen. And then she comes up, yo, Jesus is risen. That's, Why would he show you first? You're a woman. Yo, yeah. We have to yo. be those kind. That's who we're called to be. Yeah. We, have to, we have to shatter those paradigms. Yeah, it sounds like a, a word. That's, that's powerful. It sounds like the, a word picture that, that can come to mind is somebody straddling a fence so, or straddling that, that, uh, that doorway. So, you know, you, you've, you've accepted the gospel. You know, you've repented and believed. So you've opened that door. And you and you've stepped in, but then you still have a foot back in the previous, you know, and so and and that and that reflects itself in what's going on now with a lot of people, you know, a lot of us, I think most maybe, I don't know, are um, haven't fully embraced what's on the other side of that door and closed the door and said, I'm in this room. But then the people during that first century looked at. Uh, the way that, or looked at the way that this this had taken place, and and the gospel had gone forth, and yes, because their culture said you don't communicate with a woman, especially it, what women were second and third and fourth class mm-hmm. citizens, they were they they were a part of the kingdom, but they were bringing in their notions from their culture into uh, that environment, and then looking and saying, wait a second, something is that doesn't make any sense, and so what we should B, there are people who have changed their citizenship. That's really interesting. Yeah, and um, just yeah, just want to add on. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, as far as again, those believers who are in a position of privilege, it is our responsibility to use mm. that privilege for. Uh, a better cause to be able to shatter uh, these images that are portrayed in in the media to help make change to be understand and empathetic towards you know those believers who are uh, struggling with self hate and to yeah be able to create a culture of of change to be able to 
help those who do struggle, you know, with self-hate to, to show them, you know, that the Lord sees them equal, that God's beauty is in all, in all of us. And so, yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not, um, <laughs> just put this blatantly, I'm not sympathetic towards, um, those, uh, white, uh, believers who aren't, don't notice what's going on. I mean, it's our responsibility to, to take notice of what's going on in the culture and to speak out and, and use our privilege to make a difference. So uh, ignorance is, is not an excuse just because if you're not, even if you're not blatantly, you know, racist or you're not making derogatory remarks, the fact that you're not using your privilege, your status to speak out shows that you're apathetic which, you know, what's, <laughs> which may actually be even worse. Right. Yeah. You talk about those blatant race, those out, outwardly blatant racists. That's what people think about when they think of racist. The person mm-hmm. with the swastika, um, um, the swastika tattoo upside his head, you know, a bald he- head, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making all these statements, a part of the alt-right. But actually, though, that's the minority in terms of uh, people yeah. who have bought into the system of white privilege. So you bring up a good point, Eve, about, you know, as a believer, we kind of sometimes unknowingly, I think, straddle that fence. So I want to definitely touch on that fence. But before we do that, I want to pause here and take a quick break for our sponsor. Addressing your health is not something you can ignore. A report from your doctor or even aches that you've learned to live with need to be taken care of. It can feel like a long road when you go at it alone and aren't sure what to do. Working with a knowledgeable individual will help you save time, resources, and actually get the results you're looking for. Let us introduce you to Princess Akima, a certified holistic nutrition practitioner. She's a living example that making powerful changes in your life will have ripple effects. She works one-on-one with clients to prevent and reverse disease from skin issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, and allergies. This can be treated by using nutritional guidance, herbal and homeopathic means, body work, and movement. This whole person holistic approach is helping people get restored. Get in touch with Akima today at www.princessakima.com. That's P-R-I-N-C-E-S-S-A-K-E-E-M-A. Or you can reach her at 240-855-0266. And you can connect with her on Facebook and Twitter at Princess Akima. Please support our sponsors as they support this podcast and let them know you heard about it on Across the Intersection. All right, we're back, we're back, we're back. All right, so we're going to wrap up here. Um, I know some of y'all were dying in here, but I don't really have a This Week in the News this week. So, sorry, no no Christians embarrassed themselves publicly <laughs> this week for, for us to put on blast. So, we're going to shift a little, we're going to get a little esoteric here today. Because um, what we're going to talk about is a brother by the name of Shylin. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, Shaolin's a Christian rapper. Um, he's been out, what, about 15, 10, Yeah, he's been out for the, almost the whole century, yep. <laughs> he makes it sound like it's 100. He's been around for yeah. a while. Yeah. Since, the, uh, since the Rock Soul yeah, days Rock, of 04, yeah. I think he's been out. Rock Soul compilation. Well, I know he's, he, he's probably been out for about 10 to 15 years. I thought, um, yeah, I thought Rock Soul was more 01. But, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So let's call it. So let's call that fifteen years. So Shaolin's been. Hey, out yo, you money days. hungry preachers better check yourself. That was oh, like Lord. oh two. All right, she about to start rapping over here. <laughs> no, um, I sound like a sixth grade Palestinian but, girl when I rap. <laughs> um, but Shaolin K has come out with a new album um, called Still Jesus, right? 
Um, I think Avery's the only one here who's heard the album so far. It just came out yesterday, oh, so yeah. those of us, those of us are going to listen to it. But we're not going to talk about the album. This is not an album review session. Um, in the the days leading up to his release, um, Shy's been on kind of a you know, I guess media tour or whatever. He um, he had an interview or DJ Wado um, on Wado Radio this week. Um, and then subsequently released a string of tweets. Good God. About 15 tweets. Um, Clarifying tweets, yeah. As a matter of fact, he just put out a little small um, video last night with him and another dude um, just talking about how there's no, you know, there's no yeah. beef or whatever. So, KKB from Reach Records. So for, Are they out at Legacy? Did they do it from Legacy? I don't know. I'm okay. not sure where they did. Okay. But cool. for, for those of you who don't know, and do, we'll just give you a little bit of backstory, because um, again, this is really what. Avery just called this under the underground. So we are beneath the subway on this one. Um, Ninja Turtles. Yeah, we on some Ninja Turtles right now. Um, Straight up. <laughs> I'm Michelangelo in this joint. Um, is Shailen, um, for all intents and purposes, doesn't agree with Lecrae. I know a lot of you know Lecrae. Um, he's probably the biggest name in, in, in Christian rap right now. Is um, He doesn't really agree with his particular approach to doing Christian music. Um, his approach to doing rap, hip hop, you know, he, he doesn't really agree with his approach. And so he has come out publicly um, to sort of condemn the approach, not condemn Lecrae personally, but the approach in which Lecrae has taken with his music over the last five years, maybe. That's about five years. Um, where, you know, Lecrae has sort of shifted and no longer wants to identify himself as a Christian artist and that that sort of you know that sort of thing. Lecrae's not the first artist to do that, um, but he's probably the biggest artist to do that, um, and that's across the board. I think he's probably the biggest name in Christian music, you know, particularly Black Christian music. Um, okay, um, so <laughs> I just got I just lost my I just lost my train of thought. Biggest name in Christian music. All right, so he's you know he's been the biggest name in Christian music to sort of make that shift, um, and Shalin's coming out publicly like, yo, I don't really agree, and I'm gonna share my disagreement about your method publicly. Now, for those of you who don't know, he's already talked privately. This is not like he's putting Lecrae on blast. Yeah, these it, people know each other. All these all these yeah. guys know each other. They're on the cell phone, you know. So, and they're actually friends of each other, you know. Just because you change, uh, just because you have a different approach, uh, doesn't mean that somehow you're enemies or there's beef or anything crazy like that. But I do want to say, I do want to take issue with uh, what Shy does, with the notion of what Shy disagrees with. I'm not saying that Shy disagree, does not disagree at all with the lyrics that Lecrae is putting out um, uh, because Shy is known for, he, one thing that he's known for is something called lyrical theology, which is a sub, sub, sub genre of Christian hip hop. You know, magma um, level. But one, <laughs> but, but one thing that, um, that he has been very vocal about in the past half decade is that both types, both ideas of Christians in the arts are worthy. There's art for the church and art from the church. And he and 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 shy during the interview with Wado and in many other platforms has said both of them are worthy. It's really important to edify the church through your art, whatever your art happens to be, whether it's hip hop or something else. But it's also very important to 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 have a Christian worldview on other topics that 
other people, a more broad audience would be able to see. The broad audience needs to know that not everybody lives just like they do or people in their circles do. There's actually a Christian paradigm that you can approach every issue in life from as well. So I don't think that um, starting around 2012, what was the album, the Lecrae album that came out around that time? Gravity. That was Gravity, oh, gravity. yeah. Okay. And so it was Gravity, Anomaly. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, so, and then there was reha- there was uh, Rehab and the Rehab Overdose. That, I think that, that came right before. Yeah. Before, yeah. yeah. So that was that was still quite gravity, Christ-centric. Yeah. But, Gra- um, but Gravity, gravity was, was like it. the, the chef. Yeah. Yeah, gr- yeah, Gravity was it. So I think that more so than the fact that Lecrae does work from the church as opposed to for the church. He doesn't do lyrical theology. I think uh, Shai's bigger issue is the approach that Reach Records has taken toward that. There are certain covert things that happen. For example, one of the mantras of Reach Records is that we're unashamed of the gospel. And so overnight, you know, it's only because somebody happened to notice it, the definition of unashamed changed. Before it was more um, uh, bibliocentric, you know, we're unashamed of the gospel. Now it says something about being unashamed. Now we're unashamed of being who we are, something a little bit more vague than that. So Shai took issue with that. Um, there were interviews that Lecrae did um, and that Andy Minio and some of the other people on Reach did that dissed uh, Christian hip-hop. Christian hip-hop has been around a long time. Not only that, uh, they were a part of this community. And not only that, they listened to these artists, but then suddenly on certain interviews... You know, they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, at some point I thought it was corny. Or, you know, so so I think that Shy doesn't like the the press that they are putting out um, about Christian hip hop. And I think that's the or, or about about Christ and the church. Um, and, and I think that's more of of, of uh, Shy's issue than the actual lyrics. Well, and <clears throat> I want to give uh, I want to give that term some context. Right, this well something to shift happened around a particular date. It's important to understand the context of which the shift occurred and Lecrae even spoke on it himself. And that was um the the people in which he was patterning himself after and his mentors found themselves in uh, situations and he was devastated by it. I think we all were affected by it. And that goes back to the ambassador and the truth and the infidelities and like completely like living these double lives. Um, and I mean, we're like, so when Lecrae was in partnership with the cross movement and, re- well, the cross movement, I mean, the cross movement was kind of like on his last legs even at that point. Um, but Lecrae was part of that next generation. Um, and then we had, when, when that started to crumble, he, he was just like, well, you know what? Um, I can't, I have to follow my own voice, but uh, I I can't I can't really like if I am just gospelly right uh, I'll use that term for now I'm, if I'm just gospelly <laughs> with my music technically speaking I'm yeah gospel-y. if I'm gospelly with my music <laughs> if I'm speaking only about you know um, uh, uh, lyrical theology or however you want to word it. And I'm, I'm, there's no way around the fact that I'm going to be living the life, like living my life. I would prefer, like I've seen, the, I've seen the results of people who put on, you know, you, it comes across like you're living one, like you are one way, but then you live in another. And so he said, you know, if I'm gonna do this, then I'm gonna, I'm, I don't want to have that cognitive dissonance of people thinking that I'm one way because of my music, but 
in my life I'm actually a human being, like even Shailene is. And so, um, but the problem, I think the problem that he ran into <laughs> is that by that time, he's built up so much credit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much credit, such a huge lever, you know, um, within a society, within a group. I mean, a society or group, excuse me, within a within a demographic, yeah. within a population. Like he put, he already put his foot down that he was like this. Four albums, yeah. Four, four albums. albums in, mm-hmm. you know, and and so for him to swerve at that point, it, you know, I think that he's still still dealing with those repercussions, and 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 and, and um, so I just wanted to put that in context as to the change, and then. You know, but 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 that doesn't take away. It does not take away the interviews that was done when people started going more mainstream outlets and saying, "Well, you know, most Christian, you know, hip hop music was whack." Really, like that that did not endear Andy Minio to a great many of his cohorts. <laughs> I'm sure, no. um, probably wasn't the best thing to say at all. Um, Especially when you ain't really like that either. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, he he did. Uh, Andy's eye, but. <laughs> and Andy did does, have was on a, a great stage show. He's really good on stage and in, in public, yeah. in person. I've never seen him live. Okay, okay. I'm I've so seen him. I've listening. seen him live once. He did a uh, issue a statement after the fact, apologizing yeah. or clarifying. But by that point, the damage was done right. with his comments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. So, I don't. I mean, for Shalin, I think Shalin has a point. But like, so similar to what Avery was saying, I think that Lecrae and them guys also have a point. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there's, there is a median. There, there, there is a mean, right? And for, for Shailene to say, hey, listen, y'all have just switched up overnight. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate gripe. Like, yo, what? And know. it was covert. And that's the thing. I know that certain things were have been said publicly, but there were also things yeah. that were done on the yeah. sneak and to change... Um, to to be less one one six Romans one one six, which the whole Reach Records was built yeah, on, to be less yeah yeah to be less unashamed biblically, you know, just shifts in that you know that way that make you say what's really going on here, you know. As I said earlier, and as Shy has said for a long time, he's in favor of various expressions mm-hmm. of Christians um, doing either Christian worldview type of art or doing art that is specifically to edify, you know, uh, like lyrical theology is. However, um, but to go out in public and talk about something being corny when you used to rock with it or not, you know, making, even making, and this is my personal issue, not making mention of all of the, you know, the catalog that exists and all the talent and making it seem like, oh yeah, this is, you know, that's what? Yeah. I'm sorry, Dan. So, yeah. Uh, no, I was going to say, definitely, um, you know, artists change over time. Artists change directions. But I think the issue, like you said, is the more covert nature of it. If uh, if Lecrae was more blatant, okay, this is what, you know, I have presented. This is what I have believed. This is how I thought this was my philosophy and doing uh, music. Um so I no longer adhere to that. And if he said, okay, I'm, I'm putting down the one, one sits and all that stuff. He just came out there and said it yeah. uh, rather than doing it covertly yep. and trying to change the meaning of it. That's where I feel a lot of his uh, 
fan base or former fan base has felt betrayed because um, they had, and I'm not saying this is right, but in a sense they had elevated Lecrae to a certain standard. Okay, this is, you know, I can receive a sound theological music from Lecrae and he didn't come out there and say that, okay, this is what's happening. This is, he did a response to backlash, but not, yeah, he didn't, he didn't say it initially. So you're, you know, you got a Christian parents buying their son or daughter a Lecrae CD and they're expecting a certain (laughs) thing. And then it's like, hold on, this, this isn't what I thought it was. Uh, If he was, again, if he was more blatant, more honest about the direction he was taking, I don't, think this would be oh yeah the, the same yeah. issue i think like you said that yeah. the, there are uh, the two directions uh like you said uh Shailen mentioned uh music for the church or music from the church to the world where you know it's it's okay to you know not not do music specifically for the church it's okay to do more evangelistic music uh, where you're not going to get into the heavy theology where you're going to be talking about life issues um, but still doing a way you know where Christ can be presented where but you know for you again for you to you know not be honest with the change in direction and, and also like you said the the addition of Christian rap music just the kind of uh, I know we mentioned in a, a previous podcast I believe in a relation to Francis Chan but as far as him making his talk to Facebook and yeah. kind of throwing the business out there I think Lecrae like has thrown it out out there Lecrae and, and Reach Records Andy Minio has thrown the church out under the bus in a sense yeah. with some of their comments so you're kind of throwing out the church's dirty laundry um yeah, so I don't... Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's a reason he had to be covert about it. I mean, I've said this from day one. I'll say it You're until... You're talking about the almighty dollar. Oh, yeah, of course. I'll say it until Lecrae comes down here and tells me he didn't do it that way. But he's not going to do it up front. Because if he does it up front, like if he comes out in 2012, 11, whatever year it was. Again, I'm, I wasn't really the biggest Lecrae fan. But if he comes out and like, yo, I'm, I'm done with this Christian music. I'm going to go ahead and hang out with Kendrick and Chance. I'm good. Those Christian moms you just mentioned, they're not buying the more Lecrae CDs. Mm-hmm. They're not buying Gravity or Rehab or any of the other ones that have Anomaly. You know what I'm saying? They're not buying those. You know, like I've talked Definitely about Definitely not before. Church Clothes. Well, right. Church clothes is free, so <laughs> they no cop it, no cop it. You know they're they're, they're, they're not pit. buying those albums, so them 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 Christian moms they go in a debt <laughs> They're not going. <laughs> they don't them. know, right? But they they're not buying those albums. You know, like I've said before, one of the one of the only benefits to remaining in this Christian hip hop community is the fact that Christians still buy albums. Lecrae's not stupid. Lecrae's a businessman. And so that is the part. That's why I say I think that Lecrae has a point, but I think Shy has a point as well. That's the part I think Shylin is missing. Lecrae is doesn't see himself as a quote unquote minister or whatever. He's just a Christian who's doing music, right? Yeah. And but as a Christian who's doing music, I have to make the wisest decisions. In order to sustain myself as a as a businessman, as an artist. Now, as a quote unquote Christian minister 
who does music. I'm going to go about doing my music a certain kind of way, right? And I think the the point, because Shylin had a string of tweets that he released, you know, I think two days ago, two or three days ago, and I read the tweets, and something he said in the tweets as well as something he said in the interview, um, that's the point that I believe he does have. Because if Lecrae and the rest of them dudes on Reach Records wanted to shift and be like, yo, I'm good on Christian rap. Yeah. There's no need to try to sun the church whenever you're doing an interview, right? Uh, one of my, like one of the artists I really rock with right now is Odyssey, right? Yeah. Odyssey will go out of his way to let you know he's from Sudan and he'll go out of his way to let you know he's Muslim. He don't try to sun his Muslim faith when he's doing regular interviews. So I think that's the one area that Lecrae and them cats could have done a better job. Like, yo, nah, I don't rock with that Christian hip hop stuff, but I'm a Christian. Right. Like, this is this is who I am. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no need to step away from that mm. and try to sun the church at the same time. You could have stepped away and did your thing and still big up the church. Still big up the people of God. Like, yo, nah, you know, Shylin Ambassador, those are my peoples, right? I I mess with them all day long. Yeah. I just don't do that. But those are my people. You see what I'm saying? There's, that's how you do that. You don't try to sun the church and still try to, you know, because at the end, this is why I say it's about money. Because you don't, there's no need to sun the church unless you don't want to be seen tied with them cats because that's going to mess with your money. You see what I'm saying? If it's not going to mess with your money, what do most cats do who blow up? They always bring their cats along, right? <laughs> Whenever it's one cat that blows up, what does he do? He comes back, Eminem goes back and brings in D12. Entourage. Biggie brings in the Junior Mafia. Tupac bring the outlaws in. Dudes always bring mm, their posse in. Good analogy. They always come in and then after they blow up, they bring their posse. But it's like, Lecrae is blowing up and he ain't trying to bring nobody. We like, nah, I'm good. The rest of y'all, Pamela, stay back there. I'm not, I'm not rocking. You know, none of y'all cats roll. When, when Because I, I went to a Lecrae show about a year ago. I, I took my son and he was here at um, Fillmore. the Fillmore Silver about a year Spring, ago. Downtown, yeah, Silver, Silver Spring. Spring. And I was expecting like, one of them dudes from Reach Records to be the open act. He had like some other cat. I was like, dang, yeah, Cray not bringing nobody well, with well, him. I, 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 I uh, was at an event. I think once well, Andy Minio was there. So, um, and then also if you go to the Reach website, I mean, it is he does have label mates. I mean, I don't think yeah. it's. I, I, yeah, I don't think JJ was saying he doesn't bring those people. I mean, he's talking right. about yeah, other, well, yeah. I mean, anybody. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, no. When I, the last I time mean, you heard Tidashi? <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, no. I'm just throwing I, somebody out there. I, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No offense to Tidashi. You know. Well, well. Um, making me forget my point, <laughs> man. Dang, I had a good <laughs> one too. But look, like, dang, I had this, a good this one. Is, go this ahead. is gonna, this is gonna, uh, <sighs> this is gonna bring it back uh, to what your point was. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you you do have a point though that. If you listen to um, his music lately, um, Anomaly, Gravity, not so much with Rehab, but after the shift, so I guess after Church Close. Or after re Rehab Overdose, maybe, because that was Rehab 12, Overdose. 11 or 12. Ch church Close, mm -hmm. kind of, yeah. After that, you're right in so much as there's no, a cre there's no credit to the past or to the, to the forefathers. Um, because they are forefathers. You may not have liked your father, but your father's your father. And um, even with, but you don't, you, and I would say Shylin has a habit of referencing uh, 
the past with Christian hip hop. People who you, I know who they are. You know who they Corey are. Corey Red. He'll, he'll say Corey Red. This guy will mention. I just listened to the album. No spoilers. This dude had a Cruz Cordero reference. Woo. Goodness gracious! Yeah. I know many of y'all know who I'm talking of about. Of course, that's Cruz the Cordero. first half of the cross movement era. Cruz. The first half. That's like that's like the quarter. Up to you, Cruz. The first quarter of the cross movement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he was like a member for one album and a half. So, but 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 t- I can see that www worldwide wickedness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Shylin, I could see that. You know, he's always paid homage, mm-hmm. whether you as a listener liked who he was talking about or not. You know, I mean, I don't think any of us can like discredit the cross movement. And I get, I guess the and it goes to the Andy Minio, Andy Minio. I say Minio, but whatever. Um, it goes to the Andy uh, uh, Minio statement that you know that's for that's kind of like for us to say we liked or didn't i wasn't really feeling but the truth is is that even if we didn't like it all like that because none of us like all of what we was listening to i can i'm sure we can say that but we knew that that's all that we had at that particular time when we we were in our faith that was all that we had that's all that we had we knew it was it didn't really sound like what was on the radio it depends i mean again there are people that those dudes liked but I don't hear the big ups, you know, uh, the, right. the lyricism of yeah. Timothy Brindle, you know, regardless of what you think about his delivery, you know, uh, multiple, you know, multisyllabic rhyme schemes, just, you know, people who really threw down, that's not even being, it's almost like there's a whole genre of well, even yeah. the talented cream of the crop that weren't, uh, that aren't brought up by these dudes. So, you know, it's, I love so, uh, yeah. Lecrae's music, but, I mean, you know, I think that's, that's something, that's a legitimate point so, that Shy makes. Yeah. And I think uh, that Amadi, you have a, le- you know, you have a legitimate point, um, you know, Shy, I mean, with so and so doing songs with like Ty Dolla Sign, but not True Life. Like True Life don't have no production credit or nothing <laughs> afterward. You know, right, right. like I think you have a. I mean, shoot, what's the or name? even Tony Stone who produced a lot. You know, but during that time. With, you know, but with you know with Jay, Jay still doing music with uh, Rick Rubin, mm, mm. and I mean I think that you know for as minute as a as uh, Christian hip hop or holy hip hop is, I guess in the grand scheme of hip hop itself, you would probably equate somebody like a True Life to like Rick Rubin. Yep. Right. You know. So I yeah I'm I don't know I don't know what's going on. Obviously I don't I don't I mean you know we know some people we don't know others. Yeah. You don't know why they do what they do, but I can kind of see that observation is kind of like a distancing oh, of yeah. way, of the direct line. You know that you come from. I mean, because when you see something that's going to be to your detriment, mm. or what you think is going to be to your detriment, you're going to distance yourself. It's that's a, just human nature. But but it's also I I've said ironic like twelve times today. But it's also ironic because it's you know as, as talented as Lecrae is, he's like a Jackie Robinson. You know, the Negro Leagues had all kinds of talent greater than Jackie Robinson. But Jackie Robinson is the one who you know made that that switch, and the whole world found out about him, even though Satchel. And, you know, all kinds of uh, people, right. Ken, Roy Cameron, all those guys were even more. So even with Lecrae, Lecrae is very talented, but he's what we have out there. But there are lyricists and people who uh, and people who are really good in writing and delivery, et cetera, who are still back here in this camp, no, I, uh, I much more talented right. than yeah. him. So I, I think it's ironic. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, you and your, your uh, little subverses fences <laughs> reference just now, if anybody's seen fences. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a rap yeah. genius. Oh, you know. That's what the Denzel has said. Yeah. Like, plenty of people better than Jackie, Jackie Robinson. Robinson. He wasn't nobody. 
Yeah. I don't know. We go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Um, sorry, I just want to switch gears a a little bit um, on the same topic, though. But just as far as Shallon sending out the tweets and doing the interview, and you know how uh, we as believers should communicate with each other. Because uh, I've seen some backlash against Shylin for, uh, you know, I've heard someone, you know, people talk about him doing a Twitter rant and yeah. beefing with Lecrae and all that. And, you know, is it is it okay to have a legitimate gripe with another believer with the, again, as been said, he is not saying... He's not talking bad about Lecrae's character or anything yeah. like not that. Not dissing his mama. He's no, and he's he's talking about the that he disagrees with the direction that Lecrae has taken. Is that okay for us as believers to to talk about these things, or is every time we bring that up, are we hating on them, or are we beefing on them, you know, are we judging them, you know how? You know how how can we bring these things up? I mean, my my viewpoint. I I believe that he did address things in the right way. That he he's mentioned he's gone to them personally. Again, like we said, these these cats know each other. He, yeah, they know you each know, other. And, he and, is shy, right? You're yeah. going to shy Lynn going to. <laughs> Uh-huh. So he, he he talked to them first. He pr- had multiple conversations with them, probably brought other people around. Now he presented it, you know, publicly. Uh, and again, Lecrae is a public figure and his actions are public. So is it okay to, yeah. if, if something, if someone does something publicly, is it okay to address them publicly as well? Yep. We got to decide that. I think eventually. That. Not at first though. Yeah. But there's a way that that believers can disagree and still be cool. Like, you know, when when Paul and Barnabas parted ways in the book of Acts, after they parted, after they decided to part ways, they prayed for each other. Like, the brothers broke bread, prayed for each other. It was like, all right, be blessed. Like, but I'm going in this route because I want John Mark to roll with me. You don't. It's all good. So I think that goes to believers not really knowing how to build real relationships. I mean, if we want to just keep it 100, the reason we don't know how to disagree and still love the person we're disagreeing with is because believers don't know how to build real relationships. We think because I go to the same building every Sunday with this person, mm. we got real relationship. You don't got a real relationship with that person. Nope, you're Let looking that at the person back. try to say something to you. Yeah, you you're know? looking at the back of their head, you know, every Sunday, you know, that's that's the relationship. Yeah, so, you and your Frank Viola re- reference, huh? <laughs> So, you know, we, we got to, that's, I, I think what Dan brings up is a much deeper, you know, thing to talk about because really what it is, is if I have a solid relationship with somebody, then yes, I can do that. We can disagree privately or publicly, but eventually, you know what I'm saying? It'll come back around and be like, all right, you know, let's, let's squash it and we're good. But if I don't really have a relationship with you and something comes out publicly, easy for me to cut you off and maybe that's where the discomfort comes from daniel maybe people are not comfortable with the way that this is happening knowing that shy and 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 trip and all these guys have relationship and shy even sent the lyrics of uh, random thoughts Mm -hmm. three to trip ahead a lot of people who might not know how to do this in their own lives might feel uncomfortable with what they're seeing which is people are being mature and being able to check each other and maybe folks just don't know how that's done yep because he even had a posted 
a recent video with uh, with KB, uh, mm-hmm. Shy did with KB after all this going on, saying, "Oh, yeah. we're not beefing. It's no. all love." So it, you know, he's showing that yeah, it's okay, you know, for us as believers to have legitimate gripes with each other and still love on each other, still view each other as as brothers and sisters. But like you said, it it does dig in because how how deep are our relationships do we have people close to us who can check us who can let us know when you know they disagree with the direction we're going on if we don't have those people in our lives then we're doing something wrong we need people in our lives to Mm -hmm. to who disagree and are, are not yes men yeah yeah, so the only let, thing I wanted to, to add to that is just the importance of it as well. It's important to have a public discussion about this because if you don't, then what does the general public see? Or people who are young in the faith, what do they see? They see one side, and when they're trying to decide what they want to do just in terms of the way they express their faith, they see one example. But when you have a public discussion, especially when it's respectful, it might get passionate, but it's respectful, then when people are trying to decide you know, what, what they think about this and how it affects their lives, they see more than one argument. They see more than one example of the way it's done. So I think it's actually important. Definitely. So for those of you out there listening, don't have just yes men in your camp. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you kill on the planet Metamucil, please don't have yes men in your camp. Yes, have sure. reference to two Whatever you like say, that. my previous... Uh, so we, uh, we appreciate y'all rocking with us this week. You know, as we always say, we're going to keep God in the in the forefront. So we got a little esoteric there at the end. But for those of y'all who don't think, you know, believers, we wrestle with these things as well. You know, we wrestle with disagreement, how to properly present ourselves, how to have an honest presentation, all all of the above. But in the midst of all of it, God is going to be in the midst. And so that's what we do here. We're going to always, always, always keep God in the midst and give you these things from that mature perspective. So for Eve, Dan, and my man Avery, we thank y'all for rocking with us this week. For my peoples, one time. Let's get started, I won't teach you Let me set apart who is my people The ones who set in their heart to be believers Press on to the mark to follow Jesus When it gets hard, they